In association with the Weyland-Yutani Bulletin and SciFi.com, this is Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. We are the only exclusively alien podcast of its kind, with your hosts, J.M. Prater and Peter Hay. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. And all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Fucking A. Welcome to episode 24 of uh, Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie. And And this is Pete. What is up, everybody? It's been a while. It's been longer than we thought. Uh, It's been almost a month. But this is our year anniversary podcast. Uh, A lot's been happening. Our page likes have grown to almost 1,800, which is phenomenal. Thank you, everybody who has liked our page and shared our videos and our posts. It's pretty amazing what's happening, to be honest with you. I am just baffled, and it's so surreal. You know, the page likes grow every single day. It's it's phenomenal. I It just makes me so happy to see that there's that many people that are proud of what we do and enjoy what we post and like to listen to us, and it's just awesome. Thank you all so much. Absolutely, and... Uh... The people who, who've liked our page from Prometheus, uh, the Prometheus 2012 page on Facebook, thank you. A lot of you guys shared our stuff. Chris Picard, who's the showrunner there, thank you to him too. Uh, it's been great. Uh, but yeah, we have, there's a lot to discuss um, to uh, this episode. Um, I know we wanted to talk about, well, first thing that came to my mind is this guy named, I believe his name is Brandon Flores. He is a... Uh, He's kind of a hobbyist, but it's, I, I hate saying that because it sounds so, it just sounds, it doesn't sound. It sounds unprofessional. Yeah, almost. it doesn't, but it is, mm. it, it, it's work. He does uh, dioramas. Um, he does figures. Uh, w- one of the things that we published that he did was uh, Alien 5 concept art inspired Ripley, which was inspired by uh, concept work that came from Neil Blomkamp when he was kind of on the train of his Alien film. Yeah. Made. Yeah, and uh, he has some awesome work, for sure. Um, trying to find something right now. Uh, a lot of you know that we're officially partnered with the Wayland Utani Bulletin, and uh, some of my favorite posts. Just about every single day, this dude's posting stuff. Um, he's posting these amazing, high-quality pictures of these gorgeous dioramas and set pieces. I think he's even building some spin-off things. Like he made uh he made like the Jordan family tractor and then he did his own take on what like uh like a bike would be if Wayland Utani made one. And that kind of thing. <laughs> this guy is awesome. It's phenomenal. Um did you see he posted today this Alien 3 uh it's a diorama of uh, the lead works, yeah. Yes, I, I, I ah. it my mind. As someone who's a fan of miniatures, um, who does my own work in my own way, but it's very, very different from this. I, I just was like gobsmacked by this. I was like, oh my god! And the great thing is, Brandon Flores lives in Hollywood. Uh, oh, right on. 
And so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where, where that leads me, or where that leads us. That should be interesting. I mean, that's not too far from you, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. And I'm there every weekend, essentially. Um, so who knows? Uh, we maybe we'll get an interview with Brandon. Um, but yeah, check out his stuff. Um, he posts to the Wayland Utah Bulletin uh, multiple times a day. Um, he's just really phenomenal. His work, much like Dayton Allen, his work really speaks for himself. Um, I want to call your attention to one specific diorama that he created. And it, he used NECA engineers, but he built the the space, the uh, the jockey chair from Prometheus. And it's brilliant. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of work. Um, I, I just I just can't stop staring at this chair. Um, so, yeah, I, all the love to Brandon. Um, he's just amazing. So, who knows, maybe we'll have him as a as a guest on the show sometime. We'll see. Brandon, if you're listening right now, just know that we'll be in touch with you. <laughs> this guy um, does awesome stuff. And he's one of he's one of many, many people in the fandom that make high quality, amazing stuff just out of the love that's in their heart for the franchise. Absolutely. Um and uh Dayton Allen, who we've interviewed, uh one of our first first interviews in the first few months of our podcast last year. Uh, he's really been um, putting out a lot of work, uh, doing a lot of painting of of, of the creature uh, from Alien. Um, if you go to his Sithfire Creations page, his banner image is a recent translucent uh, creature that he built. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, <clears throat> There's so much about Dayton's work that, that can be said. I mean... If if he sold his his work, I'd be willing to pay easily a hundred dollars for those figures. Now, mind you, they're the uh, they're the GI Joe scale most of the time, from what I understand. Yeah. So like the I I don't know my scales very well. I just know Nika's like one sixth scale, something like that. Yeah. Seven inch things. Well, they're they're like the four inch figures. I'm pretty sure is what he makes, and just the attention to detail is like sideshow or hot toys level. Absolutely. Um, like I'm looking at one of his, uh, his more recent, uh, posts of his translucent alien. And he, he nails the translucent alien better than NECA does. Um, the way he casts the mold, I mean, the stuff, it's like beautiful glass. It's really, really great. Um, He's just, he's a master at what he does. Uh, so much respect. Maybe, ad again, additionally, maybe we'll have Dayton back on just to kind of talk about what he's up to eventually someday, sometime down the road. But uh, keep keep an eye out for Dayton. Somebody else I wanted to uh, to talk about briefly, and this is just a small piece that he did, but he shared it with us, and he also shared it in the Wayland Utani Bulletin. I'm going to go to our messages right now um, and get uh, this piece. And uh, it was something he did in the 90s. Um... Oh, you're talking about the Tobias Allendorf fella? Yes, yes. That, so, yeah, he does some amazing artwork. And by the time people listen to this, we'll have had posted this. Um, he did this. Um, he did this creature, or he did uh, an, uh, uh, a drawing in pen of an alien um, in a pose that's very familiar. I think he used uh, kind of the setting of a predator, but he changed it into an alien. Now, mind you, this was before Alien 3 came out, but it looks so much like the dog alien in Alien 3. It's pretty remarkable. Um, it's an amazing piece of work. Tobias Ellendorf, is, you're awesome. Thanks for sharing your work. We just want to give you a shout-out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's been pretty uh, outspoken on our 
posts as well. He always interacts with us. Nice guy. Absolutely. and we'll have to get some more artwork from him and share it because he's he does some really awesome stuff. I think his medium is like pens, pencils, that kind of thing. So mostly black and white stuff, but it looks badass. Yeah, like you get it on a poster. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, by the way, I should I should uh, correct myself. He did this drawing in '93, so that was a year after Alien Three came out. But nevertheless, it's brilliant brilliant work and as a creator myself I make my own figures I do my own thing uh it's uh whether it's 2d or 3d or whatever it's it's a lot of work this stuff so and most of these guys all these guys doing this stuff they're doing it in their own time they're not selling it um they're doing it because they love it and they can't help themselves um and they're sharing it which is awesome Um, well I mean it's kind of like what we do I mean we don't we don't get paid for this the only thing we get is donations um and it's it's nice to get those, but that's not why we're in it. We do it Absolutely. because we have such a burning passion for this film, and this is the art that we make. You know, I mean, there's people that make sculptures. There's people who write fan fiction. There's people who, like Tobias, they draw their own things, and it's awesome. And I just guess that's our little slice of the pie there. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, just... I feel like the, there's a lot of energy right now in the in the. Um, I mean, there's always a lot of energy in the alien kind of fandom. Um, but we should say, and I know I, I I myself have kind of said this before. I'm not going to talk about Predator, and I'm still I'm still not. But they did announce a new Predator film, um, and of course, Predator is a is a product of 20th Century Fox. Um, so Fox is really kind of going full steam ahead into um, kind of recapture re, kind of reviving their creature features, you know, kind of uh, taking their science fiction seriously. Not that they didn't take it seriously before, but really just kind of uh, making a mark again. So that's that's kind of exciting. And uh, for the record, the last Predator film, I think it was called Predators. I actually really enjoyed that film. I really yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. And uh, that was with Adrian Brody, Lawrence Fishburne, and, and yeah. all those guys. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it was nice. I mean, I don't really think about the movie very much, but again, I'm not much of a Predator fan, but it was just no. it was great for what it was. Um, I, I personally think Predator 2 is even better than the first, and I usually get burnt at the stake for that. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of Predator 2. And wasn't oh, I know. our boy Hudson in Predator 2? He Bill was. Paxton. That was that was one of Bill Paxton's two or three roles where he was killed by a Terminator, Predator, and an alien. <laughs> Which I think is so funny. We should we should uh, find a photo of that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did... I forgot about that until right now. That uh, Yeah, because he was a detective. He transferred into LAPD, and then he started working with Harrigan. Um, but before I forget, I know that Predator, the original Predator, turns 30 uh, next year. Hmm. Interesting. And this is the 30-year anniversary of Aliens. Many of you have seen us kind of po- posting images uh, celebrating that. We're going to continue to celebrate that all year. Um, there's a lot... Not just happening with, obviously, the 30-year anniversary of Aliens, but also, um, you know, uh, we're going to start. We're going to start to see stuff from Alien Covenant very, very soon. They're going to go into production next month. Um, so hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll start to see kind of leaks and set leaks and first images. And I'm really, really excited about it. I am as well. I have no doubt that the Reddit crowd will share some leaks because um, I remember about a year before Jurassic World came out. I uh, got to see all the sets on Reddit. Um, 
yeah, I mean, we'll definitely be seeing some official, semi-official, or unofficial things pretty soon. There, I mean, a film that scale with that much of a budget and all that talent on board. I mean, there's there's no there's no way it wouldn't have some kind of leak. I mean, you could look at Star Wars and and think that that would have like an airtight, you know, production. But mm-hmm. I mean, there were still leaks. Yeah, there's leaks from Rogue One already. I mean, a land speeder and sets and no, no, no. The sets I saw were from Episode Eight, Star Wars Episode Eight. But yeah, totally. I mean, I I, I know that uh, Covenant is feeling filming in and uh, what is it, Australia or New Zealand? <clears throat> um, both maybe. Um, yeah. I'm not too sure. I just know that one of the locations for The Hobbit, something like that, is is one of the shooting locations. Interesting. It was one of the articles we shared. Which we should kind of segue into talking about Covenant. Lots kind of been happening. There's been a lot of casting, mostly unknowns. Um, unknowns in the sense that they're not big name actors or people that I've never heard of before. Um, even the main woman who was cast, which we briefly discussed uh, a Rachel while. Rachel Waterston, I think. Helped. Yes. Um, but then, I guess, here's a controversial pick. Um, that guy from... Uh, I'm, Danny McBride. Danny McBride, yeah, and I, he got a. Initially, I'm, I was kind of reading a lot of what the fuck from fans, but I really his casting is akin to casting Paul Reiser. Um, in, well, then in, I mean, you look at you look at something like Alien, and there was even comic relief in that with Brett yeah. and Parker. I mean, I'm sure back then people were like, "What the fuck?" But, oh yeah, but not, nonetheless, you know, I and think be, uh, somebody was saying that. Uh, the, the the comedic actors usually perform the best serious roles. That's true, and you know, uh, I to uh, to be honest with you, I think people hear about it and they kind of get uncomfortable. I like that. I like that they're a little bit uncomfortable. That it, I I I don't believe in complete fan service. I think that there's a, 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 a an allegiance that you have to your fans or loyalty that kind of goes both ways. But do something different. Toss it up. And Danny McBride is tossing it up. Um, and that's unexpected, and I, I like that. That tells me that they're taking some risks. Um, and then, so we have Danny Bride, and then we have Billy Crudup, um, who I love, um, who I would never have placed in an alien film. Um, what do you think about that? This is news to me. I have no clue who that is. Really? Okay. Billy Crudup, he played Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen. Um, okay. He was also in Almost Famous. It was a role he played uh, Russell, Russell Hammond fantastic film um but he's a really a character actor uh he's akin to uh fassbender in many ways there's some speculation that he could be an, another android <clears throat> which I think is really really great speculation um i i, I think I, I don't even know it covenant is has gone through so many changes that i don't really know what to expect which now that we're kind of sitting here finally talking and recording another episode i like where i'm i'm I like where we're at with Covenant. We don't know what to expect. That's where we need to be. Well, I think I think Ridley's kind of pulling a blue harvest with this one. Um, I mean, if you look at Return of the Jedi, that started out as Revenge of the Jedi, and then they changed the story around. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times. I'm sure Luke was supposed to die, then Han was supposed to die, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they called it Blue Harvest, and nobody would know what the fuck they were doing when they were filming in the Redwood Forest. And then uh, Covenant has gone from Prometheus 2 to Alien uh, Paradise Lost. Yeah. Now it's Covenant. 
and that's sort of, I almost said crucible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good title too. Um, but yeah, it's a comic book, I think. But I, you know, we've been discussing this, and certainly on our page, and we've been people commenting, like the awesome Ryan Zeed, who has been on our show, um, just in terms of what this film is. And I, for for me, a little bit, there's a little bit of frustration, like, okay, Numi Rapace isn't in this film. Now she is. Now she isn't. Um, so it's set ten years after after the events of Prometheus. It's not really a Prometheus sequel, but it kind of is. But it kind of isn't. <laughs> kind of like, oh, it's not really an alien film, an alien prequel, but it kind of is. But again. To spin this positively, I don't know what to expect. And that's where I think, if we don't know what to expect, I think it, it sets us up to be pleasantly surprised. Um, and that's what I we agree. Need. We need to be there. We need to be in that place. Um, and I think uh, the powers that be, the people who are in control, probably even Ridley Scott, they know. They know they need to deliver something fantastic and dynamic. I agree. Um, I'm, I mean, I'll be going in with low expectations. Um, yeah, that's hard for me to do. <laughs> As somebody I, who's... I, I, yeah, it, it'll be difficult for me to do too. I mean, like I'm excited for it. I just want to see it already. Um, yeah. I want to see that. I want to see alien five ready. Yeah. That kind of thing. I'll um, go in with no expectations. I'll say that. Um, hoping that it'll be good, but not, not expecting just no, none. Like, okay, I'm going to see this film that. Uh, yeah, I am excited about, but I, I don't know. We don't know, you know. And I think uh, this is this is the tipping point. This film, this film, has a lot to do. And number one being riding the ship of the Alien series um, and turning it into something that's mysterious and quiet and brilliant and scary and horrifying, and not just a film that's full of tropes. And I know we discussed this before, and Ridley Scott. Uh, said in an interview that oh, stuff happening and eggs and chest bursters. And he talked about uh, wanting to have a chest bursting scene that's worse than the chest bursting scene in Alien, which was a little bit alarming to me because it's not about, it's, to me, it's not, a, or for me, it's not about surpassing something that's gone before. It's about telling a good story. I don't care about the tropes. I don't care about seeing the tropes. I care about good story. So, but I, I really feel like we're going to get a good story. Yeah. Um, Man, yeah. Covenant definitely has big shoes to fill. Um, and I think one of the, the big challenges Covenant's going to face is uh, first and foremost bridging the gap between uh, Prometheus and Alien. And I, I'm willing to bet that this will most certainly be a better film than Prometheus was. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's going to be exactly what we want just yet. But you know what? I, 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 that's a good question that you posed or a good comment that you made. Exactly what we want. I don't know what that is. Um, and I, I, I think sometimes as, as filmmakers or studios, and they listen, they're listening to their fans. And sometimes that's what they think. Well, these people don't seem to know what they want. They don't want alien. They don't want. They didn't like Prometheus, but they don't want another Aliens. But they don't want, you know, so what do they want? They're not sure. Um, that's a tough thing. Um, and I think the best thing is for the people responsible for the film, uh, namely this, this, you know, for this next film, Ridley Scott, who's kind of the master. Um, it's his baby. Uh, make a film he wants to make, and hopefully we like it. Um, but make a film that he's passionate about. Um, and I think that's something, maybe we touched on this before, but uh, 
Actually, I don't think we did. Just I, I, And I was talking to some admin at the Wayland yutani Bulletin. I said, you know, I, I've never gotten a sense from Ridley Scott since he's kind of been back on Prometheus and have, hearing him talk. I've never heard this sense of excitement from him. Like, when I'm doing something that I love to do, like when I'm talking about the Alien series or whatever, or the Dark Crystal, another favorite of mine, I'm excited. Um, it excites me. It really is like, oh my God, we could do this or we could do that or they could do this or they could do that. But I don't feel that from Ripley not, or Rid Ripley. That was a Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from Ridley. And maybe that's just a cultural thing. Maybe that's just a British thing. Like they're a little bit more reserved. A little um, more humble, perhaps. Yeah, I wouldn't say humble. <laughs> uh, but yeah, who knows? Maybe they just feel like it's not, it's not, it's not um, proper to kind of show that kind of excitement. Um, but I, I feel like for me, I want to see that kind of excitement. Um, but at the same time, too, I know uh, the new Star Wars movie really reinvigorated Ridley Scott to kind of come back to Alien in a, in a really passionate way. So well, that's some Star Wars came back swinging. You know, absolutely. That, that was that was a one-two knockout punch right there in the theaters yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't think I've ever seen uh, Ridley Scott smile. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I don't know what to expect with that, to be fair. But um, I'm I'm sure that he's excited. I mean, because he's getting old, he doesn't have an infinite amount of time on the planet, or any other planet for that matter. Um, so I'm sure that he wants to get his ideas out before he passes away. Absolutely. And, you know, to talk about those ideas a little bit, there's some, a couple of projects that Ridley Scott has on the horizon that are look amazing. Now, uh, one that I'll talk about first, it's called Taboo, and it's um, with Tom Hardy, and it's Ridley Scott as a producer, um, as an executive producer, as is Tom Hardy. Um, and it's a series on FX, but it, um, it doesn't look like it's pulling any punches. Um, and it, it's about Tom Hardy... He, uh, it takes place in the 1800s. It's uh, he's like kind of a castaway in Africa or something or Cambodia, and his father dies and he comes back to his father's estates and it's very dark and it's kind of all these kind of dark forces kind of uh, trying to subvert his father's estate from him. But his father had uh, Tom Hardy's father in the show had all of these kind of secrets. Um, it's a really if you look if you watch the trailer, it's rich, it's dark, it looks well acted, it looks um, uh, cutting edge. Um, it looks very much like a Ridley Scott property. Um, so <clears throat> that's really, really, really exciting. I didn't get the chance to watch the trailer yet. I just saw oh, yeah. a couple of the, the promo shots with Tom and, uh, it looks, it looks pretty interesting. It does. You got to check that out. But the next one, which I'm really, really excited about is called the terror. Oh yes. The terror is, uh, based on a book and it's going to, it's coming to AMC and it's an anthology series. That's Calling it, but it's only like a 10 episode run again being executive produced by Ridley Scott so it's coming from Scott Free uh, his production company that he started with his brother Tony um, and the terror is based on a, a real person um, I think Sir John Franklin I think that's his name yeah um, uh, I was doing a little bit of research on that it's based off of like this 800 page book that's a semi-fictionalized telling of one of the North Pole Expeditions? Yes, by Dan Simmons. Yeah, because I, I have that on my wish list. What is it? What the fuck did it say? Uh, let's see what the synopsis says. <clears throat> yeah, Dan Simmons, 
The men on board HMS Terror have every expectation of finding the Northwest Passage. When the expedition's leader, Sir John Franklin, meets a terrible death, Captain Francis Crozier takes command and leads his surviving crewmen on a last desperate attempt to flee south across the ice. But as another winter approaches, as scurvy and starvation grow more terrible, and as the terror on the ice stalks him southward, Crozier and his men begin to fear that there is no escape. A haunting, gripping story based on actual historical events, the terror is a novel that will chill you to your core. I need to read that. Yeah, I'm going to order it. It sounds a little bit like, it reminds me of The Thing to some degree, set in the Arctic, the strange thing, killing people, no one knows what it is. But there's so much potential here. Um, and it's 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 like an alien film on Earth set in the 1800s, you know. Um, and I hope, you know, the description of the terror, which is called the Tune the Tunebach, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I probably am not. But uh, they, they describe it a little bit as this polar bear-looking thing with this elongated head. Which I think, okay, it's interesting. But I, I hope the concept artists on the show push it further and take it away from that. Um, keep keep true to the, the, the nature of the beast, but really design something um, iconic and legendary. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'd be going in blind on something like that. Um, I can only speculate as to what the terror would be, but I imagine yeah. it would be some sort of monster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess it just kind of plucks them off one by one. Um, but yeah, I, I'm all about creature features, really good ones. And you don't see very good ones. You know, I, you, you really, really don't. You, I haven't seen a really good creature film um, since Alien 3. Well, I mean, you got that guy, Sandy Calora, that's trying to do uh, the Shallow Waters film, and it keeps failing on Kickstarter, which yeah, stinks, because well, yeah. I, I, I want that film to come out just as bad as he does. Yeah, I, 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 he's brilliant. He's a brilliant artist, absolutely. Um, I, his creature looks like a big turtle to me. Like, it doesn't look that scary. It, doesn't look, it looks more like a, a, a homage film. I hope, he, I hope he can make it, for sure. I, I, I think when you unveil the creature that early, I don't know. Um, but yeah, his work is, his work is unprecedented. I actually saw him at design designer con in Pasadena. Um, a few couple months, a couple months back, maybe in the fall. Um, I went there, um, had his stuff out there. Yeah. He's really, really talented, but I know he's, uh, he's, he has made some Kickstarters or successfully funded some of his own books and that kind of thing. So yeah, here's hoping he gets that. <clears throat> Absolutely. And uh, we definitely need to see some more creature features. Uh, as to whether or not Covenant will be one of those, uh, that's anybody's guess. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping so, because uh, there's been some rumors that uh, the unused translucent alien concept will make a return in the film. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Um, and, and if Ridley is smart, he will definitely have some people on his art team that want to bring back the H.R. Giger aesthetic. Yeah. I think they're going to go full steam into the H.R. Giger aesthetic, to be honest with you. I think they kind of heard loud and clear that people were kind of missing that. Even though I don't really think Prometheus was was um, absent of that, I think the, the, the engineers are full-on Geiger. Um, but they're kind of their own element uh, uh, set apart from the rest. But at the same time, even the temple, when they're walking into the structure, that structure... That's ho holding everything. 
full on Geiger. That's a Geiger image. Um, the, that yeah, that he he uh, came up with that concept for Dune, if I'm not mistaken. That was supposed to be uh, for Dune, and then that fell through the Jodorowsky Dune. That's but then he recycled that for uh, as the egg silo for Alien, but they didn't use it in Alien. Mm -hmm. um, so then, of course, Scott used it in Prometheus to great effect. I mean, it was brilliant. It was terrifying. You didn't know what it was. It had that kind of space jockey look like oh my god like they're in the, what is that thing why does it look like that it was really brilliant yes but uh like i was saying ridley really really needs to bring people on board that want to bring back uh geeger's dreams and nightmares rather yeah um speaking of and this isn't something that i just i i, I mentioned that we would discuss but i think it would be good i i, I was watching um or i was reading a little bit about alien isolation and i, I saw some video kind of kind of of, a, of the kind of the movie within alien isolation and uh they have amanda ripley and um yeah i got to interview her very nice yeah, lady yeah, which we have on our, our page for sure um um but i i just realized and i'm sure you probably realized this before but i'm kind of late to this to this party there's an alien film waiting uh, and it's called Amanda Ripley. Um, they could take that story and turn it into a badass film. <clears throat> um, uh, yes, I could see it. I could see something akin to a two or three hour film that uh, condenses isolation. Um, but one of the things that made isolation so successful as a video game in my mind was that it was the alien interquel that we never got. You know, it set uh, it set a nice bridge up <clears throat> between uh, alien and aliens, and uh, it it was a nice setup to show that Amanda Ripley wasn't just somebody who moped about her mom not coming home. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, but it was also very much a slow burn. I mean, it took me about forty hours the first time that I played it to beat it. Really, on a nightmare. Wow. wow. Huh. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna buy it. I am gonna play it. Um, I will buy it for you for your birthday. <laughs> uh, my big four zero birthday coming this month. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just think it, even if they didn't say, hey, let's use the exact story from Isolation, use the use the architecture of it. Amanda Ripley. Um, is searching for her mother. And so she kind of grows up in her shadow. She's a very different Ripley, a very different kind of Ripley, but she goes searching for her mother. And it takes her to some scary places. Maybe not LB-426, um, but keep Sevastopol, Sevastopol, however you say that, mm -hmm. in the, keep it in the mix. I, I love that name. I love the, I love what that thing is. It's very alien inspired. It's, it just feels like it fits there. It does. It just fits right in with the lore. Um, well, I think I think that was kind of what Alien Identity was going for, but just with Newt, because you could consider uh, Ripley to be Newt's mother for all intents and purposes. Yeah, I think yeah. Identity would have gone after something similar, but yeah. we'll never know. But just the idea of like this girl on Earth finds out that her mother went missing, um, and she finds that out at age eleven that your mother has gone missing. Um, we don't know where they are. Or, and what happened to her? So you're growing up with that 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Where's my mother? We don't know. We, have never, we haven't heard from her since. And Ripley's out there in, st in the narcissist, in stasis. And eventually that pull, that call, whether you know, 
her daughter has dreams or whatever, and it takes her to become her own a flight officer or maybe a different kind of whatever with the company and shows and her goal is to get there to find out what happened to her mother and where that takes her um and they could go a completely separate route maybe she's not going to a planet maybe she's not going to a space station maybe there's they're sending her to some outpost maybe the company has has some twisted things for her um in store um but there's it's ripe with opportunity i just think it could be great it is it is indeed because in the game amanda is an engineer for wayland yutani and, it, and she works in the same sector that her mom went missing in. Yeah. And uh, one day the company shows up and they're like, yeah, we found the black box for your mom's spaceship. You want to come get it with us? And then that's when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm not going to spoil the game for you. Okay. Um, but all I'm going to say is that it is the closest thing to a game that adapts the story of Alien onto a video game form. And it is like you are living inside of the film. Wow. It's wow. absolutely terrifying. Uh, incredible graphics. It is, it's one of my favorite games. I'll just say that. Top five yeah. any day. As someone who doesn't play games, I, I just I don't have the attention span for it. But I will have it for this. Um, I, I, we've talked about it before. I'm excited to watch it or watch it to play it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. There are so I'll many twists and turns. It is. It's a roller coaster ride. You will enjoy it. Are you getting it on uh, Xbox or? My brother-in-law has Xbox. Yes. So I think so. Yeah, uh, GameStop will probably have it for like fifteen, twenty bucks. You go to the for how much? 15 or 20 bucks GameStop. Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah, that's totally affordable. Uh, yeah, I will do that. I, I'm going to get on that. I, my time is so precious these days. I, it's hard for me to <laughs> do everything. I mean, even fitting, I mean, this podcast is our baby. And I'm like, it takes me a while to get to that too. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'll let everybody know when I do. It's been a year since we've, we've started. And uh, Peter decided to. I had this idea for this podcast, and when I first had this idea, I thought, is anybody else doing a podcast like this? And I searched, and I didn't find anything. And I knew AVP Galaxy were doing theirs, but I thought, you know what, I don't, I'm not interested in talking about Predator or the Predator mix. I'm not interested. I'm a purist. And uh, Peter was like, hey, let's do it. So uh, over the past year, we've discussed, we've discussed everything from the awesome scores of the Alien film. We've interviewed Dayton Allen. Um, and so, the chance so, to so talk so with much. Charles Lippincott. Yes, we had Charles Lippincott. Uh, we had an interview that we published with him. Um, we have had some great roundtables with uh, folks from the Wayland Utani Bulletin. Um, there's just really, there's so much we've covered. We've, we've talked about Blade Runner, um, and that's probably something we're going to talk about again as soon as uh, uh, more news about that hits. Absolutely. Um, and it's crazy. Because uh, we were essentially just two strangers on the internet with a passion for an alien. And Jamie was seeking out people that wanted to do a podcast with him. And uh, I think I was probably the first person to get in touch with him about it. And now he's one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, totally. And it's funny because I, 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 I remember trying to figure out because it's difficult with something like this. Because I have a driving passion. As you can see, I post a lot. I... I uh, uh, you're very outspoken and everything you're opinion. passionate. Yeah, uh, but <clears throat> I, I, 
I, I, I believe in building a brand, you know, even though alien, the alien series is, it's not mine. I don't own it, but I've been in love with it so much. And I, it's been in my life so long. Like Ripley said, I don't know anything else. Um, or I can't remember anything else. Um, but so, yeah, it's been really important to build a brand and build an, a look. We've really, we've redesigned our look, um, which I really feel like it makes us really shine. It, it, it's a real, uh, our, our new logo with the photo with the, the face hugger on the microphone. I have another couple images too that I'm taking. Of, I'm <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's just grown leaps and bounds. And, uh, we've had support from Chris Picard of sci-fi. We, we've joined up with them. We joined up with the Wayland Utani bulletin, um, Aaron Percival of AVP galaxy. He's been really integral. He's kind of been there for us, uh, giving, uh, listening to the show, giving feedback, being on the show a couple of times. So big shout out to him. Um, but yeah, and, and even just, uh, the interest from other people and, uh, there's some, some people we were talking to for interviews that we're hoping pans out. It takes a long time. It's a little frustrating, but, it, uh, hopefully it will happen. Absolutely. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm at liberty to speak about who we're going to have on board for the next couple interviews, but, but. All I'm going to say is that if you are a true fan of Dark Horse and you like what they've been doing, you will definitely want to listen to some of our future podcasts. For sure. Hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, fingers crossed it pans out. Um, nailing people down for these things is a difficult, it's a job in itself. She's like, are you ready? What about today? Oh, yeah, yeah. What about tomorrow? No, I can't do it tomorrow. But that's like me and Peter. Oh, I can do it today. Well, I can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe one day we won't have to. I also want to give a shout out to, to Strange Shapes. Dominic is the, the guy behind that. He really digs deep into alien lore. Um, he just doesn't talk about the films. He talks about meaning. And um, uh, and a lot of where Geiger's gets his, his where Geiger got his um, inspiration from, whether it's... I mean, this, this guy... Uh, he. He goes way deep, deeper than oh, me. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah, he's really informed me, though, over the years. Like, I, I was reading his site um, on, like, GeoCities or something years and years ago. Oh, I haven't, I haven't been at it that long. I've been reading his stuff for a couple of years now. It's crazy. Like, he'll compare H.R. Uh, Giger's work to, like, Dolly. Yeah. And, yep. oh, man. This... Always looking for the shapes, for sure. Those strange shapes of the alien in other things in myth, in mythology, human mythology. And he's, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. Um, very well spoken. Um, very, uh, in very depth. English. Yes. Very English, which is a great thing. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so he's, he's one of the reasons why I do what I do. Um, because I, 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 he goes deeper and I do too. I, I'm interested in the, the psych, the psyche of Ripley or the psychology of what draws us to, to the alien series. And that's an interesting thing too, is as we kind of go along and I, I'll ask people, what is it about the alien series or, or, or a particular film that draws you into it? And a lot of people don't know how to answer that question. Even diehard fans, they don't know how to answer that question. For me, I can't answer the question. Um, but it, so it's interesting to kind of draw that out of people like, well, what is it about the alien series that you're like, well, man, the guns. And it's like, I know there's something deeper. It's not about the creature. It's not about the guns. Um, it's there's something deeper that's kind of calling to people. Maybe it's that sense of belonging that you see with the Marines. It's a family. It's the sense of 
this kind of camaraderie. Um, but yeah, I, getting that out of people is, is a really special thing. And, and I'm humbled to know that uh, even us uh, lowly lads can, can do such a thing. We can elicit such a response from people. Yeah. Um, that uh, the video we, we put together of the tribute to aliens, our salute to aliens, that had, last time I checked, like thirty or 40,000 views. I don't know how many thousand shares, that kind of thing. Yeah. This is something that we put together just in our spare time, and we got such a strong response from that. These people love aliens. Yep, they do. It's really something. And I think aliens specifically, and it doesn't matter really when you grew up. I mean, obviously, there's a, a generational gap between you and I, but uh, aliens is something that people remember, even if they're growing up in the 90s, when they saw it and, what it, and how it affected them. For me, growing up in the 80s, um, aliens was is, was something that was seminal. It was it shaped. I, I mean, I watched that movie every day after school when I was in high school. Every day, so much so that my fr- friends of my parents were like, "Oh, Jamie's." They said something to my folks like, "You know, we're really kind of concerned because Jamie's watching this movie so much." But I, <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my system. I really couldn't. There's something that was touching my soul, my spirit, watching the film, um, and yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a really special thing. So I think what Aliens really taps into is, is that, that, that magic, that little bit of magic. But, you know, actually, interestingly enough that we're discussing alien, Aliens, the past couple of days I've really been thinking a lot about Alien. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And Alien is by far my favorite film. Um, alien has the most mystery. It has the most terror. It has the most dread. It has the most realistic reactions of, of fear. Aliens does too, and so does Alien 3, but not like Alien. Um, so I think things have kind of, the paradigm has shifted for me a little bit, and I'm really, there's this mystery, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like a, a black box. Alien is a black box, and it's always full of discovery, and the silence of the film, um, and how so much time was given for things to develop. It's just such a brilliant piece of work. I mean, it's uh, it's akin to Blade Runner. I mean, you look at the sets on that. They put so much time and effort into things that are on screen for no more than five seconds. Yeah. You know, they don't make movies like that anymore. Yeah. It's total world building. And, I, you know, I think um, Prometheus had that level of elegance and detail. It just didn't have the story to back it up um, or the characters to back it up, which would, it have, which would have enriched the environment. But, yeah, there's nothing like Alien. There really, 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 really isn't. Um and uh, I can't wait to talk about that more. I've got I've got another little video up my sleeve that I want to try and get done maybe tonight if Pete can help me out with some video footage. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, so yeah, I posted and we'll get this episode posted too. Um, like you were saying about uh, how you, how you actively think about Alien, um, I too have been thinking about the franchise quite a bit. Because uh, I know that we both got our translucent uh, Xenos in the mail from Nika, Neka, Nika, yeah. um, and I, I've just been thinking so much about how Alien is a great trilogy that stacks up uh, alongside the original trilogy of Star Wars. Yes. Yes. The original three films, Alien, Aliens, Alien Three. Yes, there's nothing like them. They are they are they are a world unto their own. And and I'm willing to wager that the director's cuts of each, or the 
the the alternate cuts, I should say, because the assembly cut of Alien Three wasn't Fincher's cut. Um, but but the ones on the anthology, the special edition, the director's cut, the assembly cut, those those are the definitive ones to watch. So I used to hate Alien Three. I used to be like. Why did they make this garbage? This movie's terrible. <laughs> this kind of thing. And then you watch the assembly cut, and it's like, oh my god, it's a whole new fucking film. Yeah, yeah. I fall in love again. Well, it's interesting. I remember, and I've discussed this before, but I'll go into more detail. When Alien Three released, I couldn't see it. I was sixteen. I couldn't see it. Uh, the church that I was growing up in would not let me see the film. Um, uh, that's a long, ridiculous story. Anyways. Um, I eventually did see it uh, when I was on a hunting trip with my dad and his friends, and we rented the video and we watched it, and I fell right in love with it. Um, and I don't know if it was because it was something don't see, you can't see, you can't see it. So finally, I could see it and I loved it. But it was the there was something about, and I think maybe it just reflected the time of my life. But there was something very, there's something very nihilistic. There's there's this kind of hopelessness about Alien Three that I really connected with at the time of my life. Um, and really with with Ripley as well. Um, it's just such a gothic, dark film. It yes. is it's it's like uh it's it's almost like a Batman movie. Almost. Yeah, totally. Almost. It has that feel. It's like the last dark note of a of kind of a, a, a beautiful movement. Um mm-hmm. and I, I do, I love the film. It, it's just it's a masterpiece. I, I my favorites right now are Alien, Alien Three, and Aliens. Oh yeah, I mean the trifecta, you know, <laughs> can't beat yeah. it. Yeah. Um, ah man, there's just there's just so much to be said. Because uh, like I was saying, I used to hate Alien Three, and then I spent some time with it. You and I deconstructed it a little bit. Uh, I mean, until Resurrection came out, it was pretty much the black sheep of the franchise. It was yeah. supposed <laughs> supposed to be set on Earth for a little while, then. Oh, they went through so many rewrites. There were probably like 20 different scripts for it. There was a lot. And we're going to get into this on an upcoming uh, podcast episode. Um, and we're going to get into this with William Robbie, who's the head admin or the head, the founder of Wayland Utani Bulletin and Ross. And we're going to discuss all of this. I own scripts, the actual physical copies uh, of Alien 3, the different iterations. That it is Alien 3 has gone down in kind of cinematic history as being. Uh, a film that everybody talks about in terms of development hell and how long it gestated, but not just that. And it, it, it kind of turned into this lesson. This is what happens when a, when a, a studio, a studio tries to make a movie as opposed to uh, a, a, an individual trying to tell, tell a story. Um, Alien Resurrection suffered a similar fate, but it wasn't, I mean, I, it's not even near as good. I mean, you can't even, it's not even on the same level. It's like, what, it's like a, what par- movie? It's like a parody I've, film. I've never heard of that one before. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. they called it Alien. It's funny, I was I was watching a couple of clips from Alien Resurrection today, just because I've been on the hunt for some uh, video footage. Um, and I noticed one thing, because I'm not going to watch the whole movie again. I just can't. I can't no. sit through it. Um, but there was this, I remember when I first saw Alien Resurrection, first time uh, in the theater, because I was excited about it. Um, there's this kind of sick feeling that I got about it, like this, like psychological. It just felt like this kind of grossness. But part of it was there. What, there was a successful. There's something very successful about Alien Resurrection in in terms of um, the psych. What it does to your psyche, 
yeah um, psychological for me <laughs> for me it makes me feel like somebody's trying to gag me and give me a wet willy at the same time while stripping in front of me so it's well, like i don't know if i like this or what is going on it's very on? gross like there's it's a very very gross film like it spares no expense in terms of uh gr the gross factor the the goo from the aliens like just all the goo around their head their their mouths and the newborn and just there's just gloppity goop all over all the time and that's kind of gross um but there's one scene in the film that really is really an alien film and it kind of mirrors a deleted scene from alien which i'm going to get to in the video that i post later on but i it, it's a really really brilliant scene and uh and, and it's kind of lost within the quagmire of the rest of the film. But uh, there was a certain, there was just some type of psychology to the film that really is unnerving. And I thought, that's that's interesting. Uh, so eventually I'm going to have to watch it from beginning to end just to revisit it because I haven't watched Alien Resurrection in 10, 15 years. To be uh, let's keep it that way. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair... John Pierre Jeunet is not a bad director. Um, I I think the cast was pretty decent. I mean, you got Ron Perlman, um, Dominique Canone. You got some great actors in there, and yeah. it just falls short. I mean, it's the Prometheus effect. You know, you got some awesome actors, and then they're just cardboard characters. Yeah, yeah, and the scenes that I saw today, they're kind of walking around, and like. Call says to Ripley. Ripley kills an alien, and Call says, "How could you do that? It was in my way." And I'm thinking, um, that's just stupid thing to, for her to say. Um, but uh, I, I, there's a lot of kind of walking around and uh, kind of aimless walking. You know, um, the film really had no point, um, and I, it, it was really wanting to be something really special, and it just wasn't. But at the same time, too, there's no film like Alien Resurrection. I will say that. Probably, um, probably for good reason. I yeah. just, I felt like the entire film was if you took the last half hour of Alien and you just made that entire sequence smoke like a ton of weed, so it just slows everything down and makes it really boring and paranoid. Yeah, it was, it was dumb. It's, yeah. it's dumb. And, you know, I, I one thing that I, I brought up in our last podcast, or I don't know, I talk about this so much, I can't remember when I, when, when I say what I say. Um, but I had mentioned before that uh, James Cameron in Aliens reused some of the same beats from Alien, where Ripley, it's a final countdown, she's got to get out. Of course, there's no self-destruct, um, but through things that were happening in the plant or whatever, in the processor, uh the the area was going to explode so they had to get out but there were some very similar beats in terms of really needing to get out um and then an alien comes on board and she has to uh, blow it out of the airlock but i realized it's great symmetry because in real life we find ourselves in the same situation many times and it's like well what do you do so it really mirrors okay here she is again in this um and what i'm saying is i, I kind of knocked aliens a little bit for saying oh here's Here's Ripley in the same situation she was before. And yes, it was similar, but it wasn't the same situation. Um, but it found this woman or this character um, who chose to kind of get back into it um, and go back to this 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 uh, planet she never thought she would be back on. Um, and there was some there was a bit of a different outcome. So 
uh, I, I just want to kind of recant my knocking of James Cameron's reuse of those tropes in terms of the final countdown and the explosion and the alien. It really, really, really works. And uh, he uses it to great effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't know how much else we have to discuss, but uh, before we uh, went into hypersleep, um, I just want to say thanks again to everybody. Um, Absolutely. It's really, really a nice thing to see that so many people like what we're doing. Uh, so many people that are just like us. Uh, we got messages from you guys, and it's like, oh, it's like we're rock stars or something. And it's just like, nah, we're just normal dudes. We do this for fun. We don't get yeah. paid. It's fun. Totally. We get, totally. We yeah, get, uh, our, our payment is the enjoyment you guys get. Absolutely. And the enjoyment we get. I mean, we get to sit and talk around, talk about our, our films that we love and films that um, that uh, that walk with us each day. Um, and, uh, you know, art, because that's what film is, is a powerful thing. And, um, I mean, as much grief sometimes as we give Ridley Scott or whoever, uh, really, these people are the architects of our dreams and our nightmares. Uh, and that's a good thing. Um, and 20th Century Fox, I mean, they took a risk. Um, we are here because they are here, you know. Um, we, They're you taking know, risks again. Yeah, and we're, you know, we use their imagery and we post and we talk about it. And uh, so they do good stuff. And uh, I think it's always hard to get art right. Um, and when you do get art right, it sticks with people. Um, and we that love that we talk about. And sometimes the frustration comes, because, comes from the art not being right uh, when it could be. Um, but again, we have these, you know, 20th Century Foxes behind um, these films and they're saying, Hey, let's keep doing this. Let's get this right. So we're in it for the long haul. We are in it for the long haul indeed. Um, and you mentioned building a brand and that, that alien is not our property, but it's something that's so ingrained into who we are as people that it's a part of us. Um, Jamie and I have discussed this on our own time, but we really want to be uh, the place to go to when the news breaks we want uh, we want you guys to come to us with any little tidbits you got, any leaks, rumors, that kind of thing. Um, you know, because we're fans. You know, we're we're passionate about everything. Yep. And uh, we definitely want to definitely want to earn the title of the Premier Alien Podcast. Absolutely, we want to be the Rebel Force Radio of the Alien series, and I think we are. You know, there's no one like us. There's no one doing what we're doing. Um, the way that we do it, I should say. Um, and we're, we're, we're really, really committed. And, uh, you know, we, we post, I post all, I try to post every day. Certainly now that we're in the 30th anniversary year of aliens, we're going to be posting a lot, Pete posts a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, I, I want to be the place where maybe the news comes to us first. Um, and we disseminate that news. Um, so people are coming, oh, let's go to perfect organism first. Um, because they know. Um, that's what I want to be. I really do. I want to turn the heads of the, the studio to say, hey, let's, you know, these are the people that we need to talk to to, to talk to the fans. So, uh, yeah, we, we still got a, a mountain to climb, but we've had so much support in the past few weeks. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. I'd say that's a wrap. Yep. Thanks again, everybody. <laughs>